Greetings everyone, this is V, aka Vernon English, starting out early today, and let me first thank you guys for listening, and the listeners, and new ones, and the new subscribers, because honestly, it is, and helps out more than you know, and, and I appreciate it so much, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and I could do that for like 15 minutes straight but that wouldn't be a proper podcast okay so basically once again we are delving back into the story and this is the second book the seeds of the sign before time and it's one of my favorite books out of the series and it basically set the tone and stage for the third book and the rest of the series and how i approach it and it's a stark raving difference from the second book just off of that alone and now that I look back in retrospect and the things that I was doing at the time it's always an interesting timestamp to look back and, and think about all of the crazy stuff that was going on and being in Venice and understandably so I basically and to anybody else who's new to my podcast I wrote a story, and it's a never-ending story, but it's not based off of life, or it's not based off of certain things that you would see, and if anything, you would see a scenario from a science fiction film or something like that, but then it would be totally and completely flipped, and I'm working on flipping some new ideas that I have piling around in my head in the conversations, and these are really deep and I'm curious as to the level of how deep I can go with them without touching upon religion or without uh, touching upon certain ideals that have been around for longer than I've been alive. So yeah, it, it's a, a cool thing and I've been going into the series a lot of times and curiously enough, I, I wanted to see where and how I could flip these stories and that's why I'm excited about reading the second book to you because uh, the more I read the more I get uh, understanding of where I should go and how I should develop the series a bit more and before I go into the next series or the next installment which is Baggadman Raggedy Roar I wanted to talk about just and, and I did it on the last installment of the the context and, and the context is generally in the, the sense that there are a lot of things going on in said story and a lot of moving parts and if someone was just to pick up this audiobook or series and, and to look into the context of what I am and what I, I have been bringing as an author they would say, well, he's confused about a lot of different things. It's quite chaotic, and it looks like something from da-da-da-da-da. And I would agree wholeheartedly and thank the person for giving me a frame of reference out of all of these different things that have been happening. Generally, in the context of this said story, one can surmise that I was looking for a story about a android or a synthetic being or whatever the case may be 
that could embody a sense of human emotions and bottle them up and then erupt them in a very humanistic and I say that gingerly approach and while at the same time holding on to these ideals of the synthetic and cognizant of it kind of wielding both of them and the synthetic part playing the backside but more or less the the morale or the human part is the one that plays the most and a lot of different characters in this series have this and they play off of their abilities and their attributes understandably so being a, a, a person and dealing with the loss of memory but this one in particular is the one that I have in a dreamscape if you will but I, I, I only allude to it and the death of or lack thereof because he could very well be dead but he's alive and, and it's a, a cool thing to see just this confusion and then overall sentiment for the reasoning of this person just living and, and then questioning all these different things the way a normal person would it makes absolutely no sense to a, a rational mind uh, to have floating spheres and I don't even know what you would call them islands uh, floating around you and then trying to figure out your place in it and the mystery of discovering how you know this said being or flirting spirit or whatever you want to call it and and trying to figure out its motion and rationale for speaking to you and that's where Langston generally is he just basically woke up and got thrust into this makeshift dream and it really really goes back into how I wanted to introduce a lot of different characters and I did so in the first book but in this one it actually had a personality to it and it spills over into the third book where he could actually tell and talk about certain things and understand that even in the story I actually even jokingly tell people that oh well this character is confused now or this character is this and that always adds to a sense of flavor or sentiment because I love this part of it I, I love how it always comes down to understanding a, a character's motives and, and then even after learning the motives they still are trying to figure out and piece together a piece of their lives or a, a, a portion and so that's all and the backgammon raggedy roar is the continuation of it and he Langston is the main character for this said story and then you have Elmore excuse me Elroy and Elroy is a, a different type of entity 
uh, I don't even allude to him being a disembodied spirit or anything like that. It, it, it quite mysteriously so, he could be something else. And I never give that reasoning as to what he is. Just because, and I say this often, but um, I got this quote from a famous person. And he said that we were spoiled and that there were so many different things, uh, not including Wikipedia and the internet, but just in general, where if we ask something, we, we always get this answer. And he was saying that that perpetuates certain differentiations in one's thinking. And, and that the way that he grew up and the way that he knows that his reality is is that there are many things that have no answers to them and it adds a bit more mystique or flavor to it it adds a sense of pride or it adds a sense of um, what would you call this gumption on someone's part for them not knowing and then it adds a sense of pride so that, and not based in ego, but something that someone can discover for themselves without telling them what all the details are. And so I leave many things ambiguous and I have just a random conversation of just many different things and it goes on and on and on and on and, and talks about different stuff. So. Yes, in many instances, even if you message me, even in the future, I will not explain what it is that I'm talking about in the story. I'm just going to have someone interject what their theory is, and I'm just going to nod my head and laugh and smile and say, okay, that sounds really good. <laughs> so basically the story back Hammond, Raggedy Roar, and I mentioned this before, was a game. And so the game of, if you could think of Pong, or you could think of uh, tennis, or anything else, was this going back and forth. And the back and forth was always a thing of understanding uh, a rhythm. And, and so that was basically the, the general sense of me naming it Raggedy Roar. And it begins and says, The aerosols took Langston by the arms. A giant winged creature dropped down as if he knew his past lives. Charged with surprise, no need for qualms. The room led to higher bright, sky, bright lit with skies. Stars exploded, spun around, black holed their center of the universe. Elroy, transfixed in the hues, left Langston behind. There was no floor to catch rise. The sparks of the fire already received inertiatic kindness the seas of energy violent cooling creation's fans were vibrating he was out of his element drawing what was this mad journey had he already died a second time he checked the sprockets on his two feet sparks hardly and so this is where the instance of going through the motions with the character happens and I wanted this to be very lighthearted, and there was so much seriousness in the first book that it almost sucked out all of the seriousness from the second, even though there are serious moments and things that uh, continue, and I continue them in the third book, but I wanted this to 
go beyond just this understanding of purgatory, heaven, and hell. That that's uh, not a character trope, but something that has gone on and persisted throughout obviously centuries and a half. But I wanted it to go beyond just that because in different places in the world, there are different places in the world. <laughs> and with that being said, I, I wanted it to embody a different vein uh, when someone read it and they felt like they were going into or in the driver's seat with this said character and how he was discovering something and they discovered something at the same time. And so I began with the air sylphs. And in the first book, uh, it's basically an unsaid character, the air, air sylphs, uh, S-Y-L-P-H-S, because it's a mytho mythological character, uh, basically an element uh, of the air. And I wanted this to be a part of it as something as a dancing air sylph or a moving air sylph. And in many instances, you will hear in this book and exceptionally in the third book, but definitely in this one and in the first book, I'll generally pepper it in there uh, as a character and as to describe what it was that was going on. Now, it took Langston by the arms, basically lifting him. And there are winged creatures there, but I don't even explain what this winged creature looks like. And no, it is not a bat. No, it is not a giant, whatever you're thinking of. No, 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 no. Think of the most obscure thing that you can think of. And inevitably, it is that creature, period. <laughs> and it says he was charged with surprise, no need for qualms. And so basically after speaking with Elroy and in the last installment, which was Tumultuous Twos, you have this unequivocal, weird, awkward meeting because Elroy is the one that is claiming to have sent Langston on this journey. And whatever journey that is, I don't even think Langston has the time nor the patience to ask him. <laughs> it just so happens that there's so many things moving on in this said scene. And it's incredible to see because there are moving planets, there are moving things, there's moving parts, particles, rocks, all kind of things that are a part of this scene and they are floating and they're moving and they're revolving around something and if not themselves and so it begins with him just trying to piece together okay well this is up that's down that's left that's right and and so he goes and follows the rooms that have planets in them and the planets are not as egregiously large as we may think some are just as small as uh, his fist and his hand and they are moving around and, and it's they're alive and as he steps through doors uh, one could think of it as just a dream but he, he bumps into them and they move out of the way and it's almost like a um, if you are in one of those rooms and I believe 
they have these rooms in other places where it, they, it's a light. And so the light is reflected off of a person. And as the light is reflected off of a person, the image that is reflected through the light is bounced off. And so it uh, appears as if the person is just moving it with their hands. And it, it's uh, an illusion and uh, a different graphic art effect. And you can look at this in museums, you can look at this, actually make it yourself, and, and have those as cool after effects. But it's really interesting to see how this character, Langston, just goes through and stuff that will blow anybody's minds, he's just going through and, and observing it <laughs> and rather taking it all in. And so it says, the room led to the brighter skies lit with lights. Stars exploded, spun around, black hole their center of the universe. Elroy transfixed in the hues left Langston behind. There was no floor to catch rise. The sparks of fire already received inertiatic kindness. And so Elroy basically just like leaves Langston on the ledge, wherever he was, to go off and, and finish exploring. And... Langston is like, okay. <laughs> He's just left on the ledge and looking at this fantastic scene of all of these moving things. And it was like he was basically in the middle of the universe observing it. And the seas of energy, violent cooing, creation's fans were vibrating. He was out of his element, dawning. What was this mad journey? Had he already died a second time? He checked the sparkets on his two feet, sparks hardly. Thoughts plummeted through his vision, yet all he could do was nibble the scenery. Tawny, colored currents of fish-like beings bumped his legs, foreshadowing his demise. If death included all of this, how easy could it be to incite the somber rest of a fourth sun prize? He saw a green planet, another so indigo, he thought it to be a midnight star haze. Hey, he realized he heard a familiar voice call from below. Okay, so what is going on? And you can see that there is these feelings, and no, it's not so touchy-feely when someone says feelings, but actually the character Langston is experiencing of all of these different things violently bumping up against him as he's just floating proverbially standing in space pun intended and you have all these rocks you have another planet that he sees off in the distance that is an indigo like a purple planet he sees all kind of visions and overwhelmingly so one would foam at the mouth if we were to experience something on this magnitude and overall it just basically a sensory overload of all of these things happening at once. And for him, he's just not, he's comprehending, but the sense of awestruck keeps him in place so that he doesn't fall off of the ledge. And that's why I say inertiatic kindness. The seas of energy violent, cooing creation's fans were vibrating. He was out of his element dawning. And so from the beginning, that basically means that he was out of his element dawning. And that's a pun on words uh, for 
the Big Lebowski. If you've ever seen the movie, uh, you could just say like, "You're out of your element, Don." What? What? You're out of your element. And it was an insane um, film. Uh, I forgot the guy's name, but he's like, "You're out of your element, Don." What was this? You what? Say it again, and it would just go and and talk about something crazy, and he would say, "You're out of your element, Donnie," and it's just a hilarious scene in itself. And he would always tell him, "You're you're out of your element, Donnie." So I I thought that was a fun play on words uh, for me to put in, and and I actually remember this now that reading this, and I'd even look at it beforehand, and said he was out of his element, Donnie. And that's a very, 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 very funny line that I didn't even know that was in here. That's that's pretty funny. So, <laughs> so basically, you could just see how laced this one was as a cake, uh, the way that I, I wanted to come back and surprise certain things. And I'm going to split this one up into two parts of explaining. And, and I thank the listeners. Thank you guys for paying attention to this crazy, mad journey of a storytelling process and piecing together all of the things that I've been saying. And I know it, it may come off as confusing, but I swear to you, if you play it again and then play it slowly and then think about it later, you'll understand exactly why I wrote this story and why I'm telling it to you. Uh, this is V, a.k.a. Vernon English, once again. Oh, baby, do I have some stories for you. I haven't even gone into the new stories I have. These are all stories I've wrote long, long, long ago. And when the new stories start getting rolled out, I'm just going to have to, to put disclaimers and uh, copyright agreements and non-disclosure agreements. No, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. I, I'm really just going to write it down and then publish it, so... Thank you guys, and be looking for more, and the more you guys listen, and the faster you guys respond is the faster I is that I upload. So thank you so much, and I have the second part of this for you when you're ready. All right, peace, peace.